Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. You might be listening later on the old podcastatoriums that are online. Could be Apple Podcastatorium, Spotify Podcastatorium. This is a real word. Lay off me, you guys, okay? Yeah. Uh, every, listen. The comments are lighting up with people being like, Alex, that's not what it's called. <laughs> but we have a great packed show for you tonight. But before uh, we get into it, we should probably talk about. All our favorites are back. As we talk about every week, though, Brett Macris, Stray Bullet. Stray Bullet. Are C- yes. Okay. Should I just pause there for you to say that, Pete? Would that make you, or do you like the interrupting? I do like the interrupting. What do you no, think? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I could have answered that question. Yeah. So he has been curating a different drink for us every week. Sometimes it's been from the Gotham City cocktail book. Sometimes it's just been from uh, fan favorites, from the Patreon Slack, from his brain, from the internet, wherever. But this time, this guy's a chef. very exciting. He's, he's an actual chef. Yeah. He designed a drink for the show this time. Out. Gonna, yeah, which is very he's cool. A bar chef. Yes. So here, I'm going to bring up the recipe here on the live video cast so it's called behold the vision i have to assume it is well partially it's with ingredients that we've all bought over the past couple of months to make these cocktails but also to tie into dr strange 2 is coming out i don't know if vision is in it but scarlet witch is and she went through some stuff with wandavision so it makes sense but if you're listening this is uh, mezcal saint germain campari dry white vermouth or vermouth blanc and use three dashes of pink house alchemy smoldered bitters which are phenomenal they're these amazing spicy bitters they're so good and uh, muddled basil leaves and the instructions is after you put everything together you sip and wonder if your life is real your kids are real and if wanda can really just make people up wow so great nice. recipe that's what well i do done. at a bar anytime true. Uh, exactly. that drink looks amazing i didn't have any mezcal so um I oh make them, man but, um, I, I guarantee you i will buy these ingredients and make this bev within the week my wife's yeah, going I'll... out of town for six weeks, and I'm going to be solo parenting. <laughs> um, and you're going to see me. I think did I say this last week? You're going to see me literally fall apart over the course of the next. Uh, that's going to be fun. That's well, if you have this be... drink, you'll feel a lot better. I did make it because I did have the ingredients around. It's great. It's like 
you know, you got a little bit of the smoke going on. It tastes a little bit like the Negroni. Um, it's lighter. You got the basil on the back. Really good stuff. You got the basil Thank on you, the back, says Alex. Stop. Okay. For those Please. listening, I'm doing the coolest moves you've ever seen. Oh if you're only God. listening to the audio Some podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was really amazing. It was like something out of Step Up to the Streets. Yeah, you used oh, to really my. be into devil sticks, right, Alex? Really big into the devil sticks uh, situation. People would come by uh, Union Square Park to see me do that. <laughs> okay, cool. Are you an alien? Union Square Park. He lives in New York? Yeah. I don't know. I Union park. Square Park. <laughs> you live in New York. Yeah. I was like, I can't say Central Park. I can't say Central Park. Let me come up with literally. Oh, no, I can't think of any parks right now. Okay. Where am I? Oh, I'm hanging out at The Bean in Chicago. It's a park. Come find me Please. on the Golden Gate Bridge here in San Francisco. Who are you lying to? Who are you trying to convince, Alex? Where are you? Alex, Do you know who I'm, I'm trying with... to convince? I'm trying to convince our first guests here on the show. They are the creator of a new book called The Panic, which is out, I believe, today from Comixology. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil Clyde and Andrea oh, Moody. Hello, this. Neil. Good to see Neil, you. Always the, good to see you. What a flex backdrop you have behind <laughs> uh, His own personal <laughs> arcade back there. So last time I had one, and this time I have to show. Oh, here you go. So every time there's going to be a new machine. All right. Oh, that is awesome. And Andrea, welcome. Where are your arcade machines? I don't see any. Thank arcade. you so much. No arcade to me. He's oh, yeah. He sent them here. He sent them here. So. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the panic. This book is pretty uh, terrifying, as you can tell from the title. But nightmare the scenario, rough <laughs> nightmares, yeah. like literal nightmare scenario. I know I was joking about not knowing anything about New York, but the rough idea of the book is there's this train crash or explosion or something happens. There's still some mysteries about that. Uh, people are trapped, and then we follow different timelines after that, and also during that. And it legitimately is like. Uh, one of my number one New York nightmares. Uh, Neil, I know you talk about it in the back matter a little bit, but where did this idea come from? Um, so before I dig into that, i just like to point out that all five of us have beards, and I think that's amazing. So, <laughs> yeah. Beard beard life, you know what I mean? Once you go beard, it's hard to go back to the old um, aging baby face. I agree. <laughs> um, yeah. So where did this come from? So it came from a couple of different places. So, I mean, I, like many people that we know, uh, was living in Manhattan around 9-11. And after the truck towers fell, um, there was a lot of, I mean, the city was shut down. The city was sort of locked down for those of us who were, who were in the city. And there was a lot of this, like, wandering around, wondering what to do. Everyone just kind of reacting to this just tragedy that happened and i was hearing stories of people that had been trapped in the subways like as the towers were falling not knowing what was going on just being told by the dispatcher or whoever's you know the drivers were um that something was happening and they were delayed and they found out later and so for me that was kind of the impetus this kind of what happens if you're in the middle of something um a disaster, a tragedy, and you don't know what it is. And how do you react to it, right? And how do you react to this fear, the, this unknown? Um, you know, I have friends who uh, um, were victims of sub uh, suicide bombings in Jerusalem. And, you know, I've talked to them afterwards and they've told me like, just at the time, you have no idea what's happening. You just, you're reacting and you're hoping that the people around you are gonna help you and you're gonna help them. 
Um, you know, uh, we've been talking recently because a couple of weeks ago uh, there was there was a shooting on the subway in Brooklyn, and people have been asking me like, uh, you know, how knowing knowing what happened and what you learned from that, um, how, what does that do to your book? Like, you know, how does it relate to your book? And so uh, Andrea and I have been basically saying that uh, what happened a couple of weeks ago in Brooklyn that's the way we're hoping kind of humanity reacts, right? New Yorkers coming together to help one another, people pull each other into different cards, doctors jumping in to help. Our story is sort of the other end, the cautionary tale of what happens if that doesn't happen, right? right. We as humans uh, are very divided, divided right now. Uh, I'm sure today a lot of people have seen that uh, the last couple of years. Um, as as humans and you know especially in america there are a lot of political racial sexual cultural divisions mm -hmm. and what i really wanted to explore in the story was how does a divided america come together when the lights go off what happens when we just have to say hey you know what we're humans and we need to work together to survive can we put aside all the shit can we put put aside everything that defines us democrat republican liberal conservative can we put, you know, put color, race, religion, can we put all that aside to really work together to stay alive? And that was really the impetus for the book. Hmm. Uh, yeah. it's, it's great. I think you really capture what you're saying, that moment of pure chaos where something's happening, but you don't know what and how you, how people react in that moment and do what you're saying, the old watchman gambit of like, we need something big enough that scares everyone into being nice <laughs> to each other. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's real. Thank you. I mean, it's definitely, like I said, you know, the, the inciting sort of inspiration was definitely post 9 11. I wrote this thing originally almost 20 years ago, and it has evolved over the last two decades. And it started off as a novel, and then it turned into a comic book. And as it has evolved, and as editors have touched it, as, you know, uh, myself and, and, and everyone who's kind of helped sort of add pieces and parts to, to how we brought it into life, the story has evolved as well. You know, we've, it's endured so much over the last two decades, uh, so much political uh, nonsense, so much cultural nonsense. And, and it really, hopefully, we, you know, we hope, Andrea and I hope that it really comes out in the, in the comic. Yeah, it definitely feels yeah. very present, like you're saying. I mean, just to mention yeah. for those who are interested in picking it up. I mean, we can see even here on the cover, somebody's wearing masks, but some people are wearing masks on the subway. Some people are not wearing masks on the subway. There's uh, MAGA hats that people are wearing. There's a whole discussion about that. So there's a lot of stuff that feels very present and current there. Uh, Andrea, though, to turn it over to you, what was your biggest task in terms of crafting the look and the world of the book? So, uh, you know, the story seems uh, at the beginning a, a normal, classic, crazy story about a bunch of people, <laughs> different people, and they have to try to help each other in a real situation. I mean, could happen to us, for example. There's nothing incredible. Could happen. And the point was uh, the where the action take place, because we are underground, beneath the ground, in the subway, in a train, so... The environment is not really sexy. I mean, okay, that's it. <laughs> very dark, very you know, with cold lights. As a and New Yorker, I'm deeply offended uh, by that take. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, no, but that's the point. I, I love this kind of situation. So my point was to 
move in a direction where the black could be alive and using some colors like very pop sometimes and in the same times not descriptive description colors but like a, a feeling colors to put the readers in the same feeling the same approach about the mindful uh, as our characters are doing or, or thinking or acting in some ways so sometimes you can see totally off color i mean it's not that real but in the same time there's talking to you i mean the, the colors are a good part because it's very vibing the high vibe and very natural with the stains with the with water colors and i try to move the water inside the color and using maybe four or five palette and not much but i really like the the approach and issue by issue you can see you see the sign the ink's gonna be nervous and nervous and nervous like the moment at the beginning every single step beneath 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 something like a falling in the dark and uh, the fighting of the characters uh, the the good moment the right moments uh, the bad moments so something really in you know with something current with the the situation not only okay i have to do color yellow blue no something <laughs> more detailed yeah well and i love what you're saying because i think you're saying like the subway is a confined space it's not a beautiful space but exactly. you, you do such a great job in the book of coming at it from different angles so it always we're seeing different uh like the backs of characters heads and shadow you create sort of a uh, a whole environment a whole world around this really confined space that everyone's trapped in Thank was, yeah what's the point when when we when i first started working on this i was really nervous because i was worried like how are we gonna create a story that basically takes place in the dark how are we gonna have are we gonna have five issues of just like black panels and which uh, to some people is amazing some artists love that but um what andre was has been amazing about is he's been taking color and making color a character in the ensemble yeah right? yeah um color really plays a part in setting your tone and setting and also paired with each of our the characters in, in the actual ensemble you really understand what they're feeling at any given point even when all the lights go and I think that is what really has made this a successful book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, Neil, I did want to ask you, or maybe this is a question for Andrea as well, but there's obviously been a lot of discussion about comiXology and the changes that have happened physically with the platform. I'm sure those were in the works for a while. I don't know if they were in the works when you started doing the book for them without biting the head that feeds you or anything like that. Uh, I'm just curious, how are you making sure that it's still a good reading experience given the changes to comiXology and how they're executing the comics uh, online? Do you want to take that? Or... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we really kind of approached it um, as a comic, right? We approached this as any comic that I would create, any graphic novel that I would create. And it's really about, there's a lot of page turns and there's a, you know we, we didn't really spend a ton of time on focusing on uh how it really fit the platform at first because mm -hmm. i think that when you're creating a book for a digital device there's definitely you could see it like with webtoons and tapas there's definitely a way to create a comic that fits that experience we really approached it the two of us i believe as you know we're going to create a comic the traditional way and what Comixology has been really amazing with, you know, the folks there, the production folks, they've been really kind of guiding us into their guided view, right? Basically saying, 
hey, when you're creating a book, when you're creating this book, just be careful about these few things. You know, double page spreads don't really work on a guided view. Um, when you're lettering, and thankfully, I, you know, I, I lettered the book, make sure that the lettering doesn't cut across panels or, you know, fits in a way that we can kind of move from panel to panel when somebody's viewing it on their device. So as I was doing sort of like the design and production of it, I really was trying to keep their, uh, their not restrictions, their guidelines sort of in mind mm -hmm. to create it. And they've been, like I said, they've been fantastic about taking the amazing artwork and, you know, the, the, the pages that we ended up with and really, um, making sure that it works within their experience. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it does, I, it's not like it, they're trying to restrict you with their rules. It's just like, Hey, this is how we do it. And it, it's not like a, a punishment. I feel like the book, <laughs> and we obviously didn't read it in that same capacity. It works any which way. So yeah, like, you know, look, I'm a, no... I, I trade, I'm a, I'm a product designer. I design apps and websites for a living. Right. And when you're designing an app and a website and you come up with all these crazy bells and whistles and ideas, you really have to kind of work hand in hand with your development team, right? Your developers basically say, hey, we know that you want this thing to kind of explode every five minutes, but here's the technical constraint in making that happen. <laughs> and yeah. so I think it's the same thing. I think it's basically comicsology just working with a creative team and saying, you guys can do what you want, but if you want this to work really well on both experiences, both in the comicsology app, as well as the eventual print uh, that we're going to be doing with Dark Horse, cool. this is kind of the way we we recommend that you create it. And yeah. I don't think it's something that's, I don't think, and Andrea, I can't speak for you, but I didn't feel hampered by it at all. I just felt mm -hmm. like, all right, these are the guidelines in which we need to play and we won't do a double page spread and we'll letter it this way and we'll kind of create <laughs> yeah. it. This, the Sistine yeah. Chapel was like, Michelangelo, let's keep it to the ceiling, bro. Like, yeah, none yeah, of the wall. Yeah. We're just doing the, the roof, buddy. Right. And, and he brought in, you know, pans and pots to put on the floor and he was fine. Yeah, see, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, the point the was still story. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The Sistine Chapel, the original guided view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I went there, they gave me a guided view of the Sistine right? Chapel. Yeah. Yes. I had to zoom and click on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so, as you mentioned, this is going to be published down the road. Is it September when it's coming out as a collected edition of Dark Horse? Is that correct? So, I think November. November, November the pool. Yes. November 7th, but obviously the world being what it is, you never know what there's going to be supply chain issues. The date we're giving right now, given right now is November. The book is going to be amazing. We're really excited to have it out in the world, both as issues, both as a uh, collected edition. And hopefully enough people will pre-order and support it that we can do more. You know, that's... Yeah, yeah. it's... Uh... It's not only beautiful, but it's intense. It's a hell of a it's a hell of a story, and uh, Keith, I'd rather Keith. read it than experience it for sure. You are also beautiful <laughs> and intense, just so you know. Oh, <laughs> That's exactly right. right back at you, buddy. Uh, now, Pete, as um, if I may ask you a question, you don't live in New York anymore. That's Did right. this take you back to any sort of subway? <laughs> it, uh, it was anxiety? like I was like as soon as I started reading this, I was like, man, I don't miss this at all. I'm I'm <laughs> on an adorable little trolley. I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Do you think uh, are you going to do the a land of make believe with Mr. Rogers? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> are you going to do a sequel to this set in Philadelphia, where people are trapped on a trolley <laughs> outside? Yes. Yeah, so Every single time, San Francisco, it's on the, the trolley in yeah. San Francisco. So. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Detroit, it's all in the cars. It's all. The it, it'll be like the speed to cruise control of sequels. So I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. I. Uh, 
So without getting too much of spoilers, just because the book did just come out today, what potentially can people expect over the course of the rest of the run? What can you tease about the book? Uh, so it's definitely uh, a really tight, intimate psychological drama. It's about the people. It's about the survivors, right? Um, I like to tell people it's The Walking Dead without the zombies, right? So it's about yeah. really this group that has to come together and survive something horrific without knowing what that horrific thing is. But while they're trying to get out uh, of this situation, other horrific things happen to them, right? Um, I've never really been alone under the Hudson River walking, you know, from New Jersey to New York. But this is sort of my <laughs> worst case scenario of what that might be like. Um, and there's some real surprises along the way. And what's great about it is that it's really kind of open. And we do have more volumes planned uh, down the road. But obviously, like I said, that depends on pre-orders and, and sales. But um, there's definitely a larger, a larger uh, event that's happening uh, that we're, we're hoping to get to. I would say there's a lot of surprises. I mean, there's a guy named Pete you just throw off the subway for no reason. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, oh, come on. Based on you. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah. There you, go. Yeah, you guys had an altercation back in the day where you threw Pete physically <laughs> off. Yeah. It was hard getting those doors open, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like that's what the movie when Throw you Mama. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what the movie Throw Mama from the Trade was based on, except it was about Pete. Right. Pete. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with the that. The original Mama. Uh, Neil, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on. The book is awesome. Everybody should yeah. go check it out. Appreciate it. Looking forward to whatever terrifying things happen in the next couple of issues. <laughs> well, thanks for checking it thank out. You. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Right. Right. Thank Have you. Have a good night, guys. You too. A pleasure. Get back to your X-Men. Totally. Yeah. All right. There we go. Once again, the book is called The Panic. It is out now from Comixology Original, so you can get it on that platform. I mean, we should just say, yeah, just before we move on, I mean, you got to be Nightcrawler, right? When you're going to play the X-Men game, you know, the old arcade version. I mean, Nightcrawler was the best one to use. Um, Nightcrawler was cool, but I'm more of a, I mean, Cyclops, um, shouts to Neil, um, who yeah. plays the game on a daily basis about it. Colossus is the one. Am I right? Really? I used to, maybe I'm thinking of a different one, but I used to do the Sentinel always because that was, that seemed crazy over. Of course you're the Sentinel. What? Also, I, also I like hunting you mutants. I like hunting watch. mutants. The Sentinel is great. The Sentinel is total overpowered. I'm terrible at these fighting games. The fact that I could stand there and be like, missile, 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 missile. Trayvon is right. It, that's Capcom versus X-Men. This is the oh, is it? X-Men game yeah, where exactly. it was just like, you, it was like Turtles in okay. Time. You just run around a very limited area and fight yeah. random people that jump in and are like, ah! Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what did you play in Capcom versus X Men then? While we're bringing this up, well, I would always go Wolverine and the Hulk, and then Spider Man. Those were my three. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I didn't uh, really Kevin play. asked if you would play if I would play Cipher, and I did. But the way you played Cipher is you go in the back and rewire the machine. Yeah. Playing Cipher in that game is not playing it and sitting at home and reading a book. <laughs> reading the comic books. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, but before we move on, uh, this side conversation, this book is fantastic. The Panic. Uh, Def, check it out on Comixology Originals. Absolutely. Why don't we bring in our next two guests, as soon as I can find them in this platform here. They are two of the writers for The Fox 
Family Values, which is coming out from Archie Comics. They also have a slew of other projects we're going to be able to talk about. Dean Hashbill in the stream. Hello, Dean. How are you? And Hello. Vito Sante here hey, as well. Go, Hello. Hey. We got hey, fellas. here. It so worked. great to see you guys. It yes, worked. It worked. It worked. We did it. Let's talk about the Fox Family Values, which is coming back to Archie Comics. So tell us about this book. What is different in the world of the Fox this time? And I believe you two didn't directly work together. You wrote two different stories, right? Or did I get that totally wrong? Right. Okay. That's right. But we were we were tasked with the same mission, which was to make comics better in mm. a Fox one-shot. And, and Vito had to do it in five pages, and I was tasked to do it in 12 pages. Oh wow! Including an hour, which makes me the genius. <laughs> makes you the genius because you did it in five. That's right. That's right. It's like name that yeah. tune. Three part structure, who, five who pages. Do it in three pages. I know, right? Name that tune. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a really difficult thing because we were asked by Archie to uh, make comics better and and alter the industry in mm. in this this effort, and I think we pulled it off. What do you think, Vito? I think um, we come out in two weeks, and I think it's probably going to be the Mayan end of the world oh, after wow. the book comes out, because what, what's the point? That's, what's the point after that? That's right. Alex Toth is in our book. That's right. That's incredible. So, I mean, how does that feel? Because both of you have worked in comics for so long, knowing that you're releasing a book that is going to end comics. Yeah. That has to be a little bit of a conflict inside of your heart, right? <laughs> Yeah, but it, it, somebody had to do it. Go out on top. <laughs> Go out on top, yeah, exactly. No, but in all seriousness, um, I, I haven't worked on the Fox in a little while because I was working on the Red Hook uh, for yeah. about five years, including some other uh, little gigs here and there. And so it was really cool to revisit the character. And I thought about, well, what, what's going on with, with these folks now, right? But more importantly, uh, since there hasn't been a Fox comic in about four or five years or however long it's been, I was like, well, this also needs to serve as an introduction to for new readers, right? So I was trying to honor what I had done in 10 issues with uh, Mark Wade, Wade writing some of the best dialogue in comics. Oh, and yeah. he's also a phenomenal writer, but to be Great. able to collaborate with him. And then when I found out that Vito was writing a, a Fox story, I was like, oh, my God, of course. He's awesome. Vito should be writing the Fox as well, you know? Great. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I pitched two story ideas. And um, uh, Jamie Lee Rotanti, who's the editor, uh, picked one of them. And then I wrote a 12-page story. It's pretty tight. There's a lot going on in 12 pages. I know that, um, you know, when I was growing up reading comics, you pick up an issue of, like, Marvel 2-in-1, starring the thing, and you got an epic story in, like, 22 pages. You know? Yeah. Now those 22 pages, as we've discussed over the years, has become six issues, right? Yeah. With, you know, certain nuances, expanding on scenes, yeah. whatnot. But I kind of went back to that old school style of like really packing it in, but also trying to tell something that means something. And it not only entertains, but, you know, has a heart, you know, possibly nice. even educates a little bit. Uh, I mean, I think there's something too, like making comics better is going back to that style where it is a little bit more of a punch um, in the I face when you read a book in a good way where it's like you um, get get so much at once, even if in those Marvel tune ones, some of the, Last couple of pages, you see the panels getting smaller and smaller. Yes. And like, oh, <laughs> and I think, yeah, it's just like, and the thing was fine. Oh, That's is right. that the end? Okay. 
for those who don't know the Fox, though, who aren't familiar with the character, could you give like a, a capsule summary of the idea of what makes this character special? Well, Vito, uh, let's hear your voice. Um, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, nice Vito. Nice <laughs> um, I don't. Here's the, the reality: is you know we can talk about the history of the fox, you know, from the golden age to now. Um, I don't think any of that really matters. I think Dean is probably. I'll put it to you this way: when I did my story, um, I pitched a couple of different stories, you know, uh, two or three, and uh, the one that ended up getting picked actually was changed. It was the Fox and another guest star, and um, they're like, well, you know, we're trying to keep guest stars out of it. Can we just keep it to the, you know, like the central um, the central cast? And then what I had to do was I had to go back to what Dean had done, and it all became about a family. And, you know, I'll let Dean expound on that a little bit more, but realistically, I didn't have anything to work from or I didn't have to work on any uh, work on anything from anything else that wasn't, you know, uh, the Fox hunt or, you know, freak magnet or anything like that. So really what Dean and Mark established in there in the, in the two volumes that came before this were really all I needed to do. So, um, for anybody that's listening, watching, um, that will read the book, you don't really have to go into the minutia of, you know, anything that the DC impact line did uh, anything that came in the seventies worth uh, like rich buckler or anything like that, or even, you know, going back to when Erwin Hasten uh, created the character back in the forties, like you can really just go to your store, pick up these two uh, last two volumes and you'll, you'll be caught up, you know, like immediately, but um, uh, you know, you, know this character better than I than I, I think any of us do. Well, I think it, 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 to pick up where you left off, Vito, like the, the comic book that made me want to dedicate my life to making comic books was the Fantastic Four, which is a family book, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of young kids, uh, you know, when they pick up a comic book back when we, we were picking up comics early on, like that was a kind of an escape, right? You would go and you either want to be a superhero, Spider-Man, Batman... But there was something about the Fantastic Four and that, that, that group value, which I think permeates this family values one-shot, right? Like, you, you, your story, Vito, deals with a, a certain kind of commitment that's going to happen. Uh, my story, uh, I realized, well, if, if the fox is a freak magnet, well, maybe it's a family curse of freak magnets. Yeah. And, you know, there's the wife and the son including um, our main hero, this dude who's kind of a reluctant hero. And how do they all deal with the fact that they've been cursed by this freak magnet situation, right? Like things get drawn to them, whether you like it or not, you know, villains are going to pop out out of nowhere and come at you. So each character, the three main heroes deal with that concept very differently. And again, I wanted to show that off to set that new premise in this, this one shot. So, um, and and also Vito, you you write about family and stray. Your 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 creator own comic is is a kind of a family, book, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, I think, you know, we're t- we're 
kidding around about saying, you know, making comics better and stuff. But I think universal themes will always be applicable to just about every uh, situation in every comic book, uh, any any kind of story. So family's universal. We like we can probably write three years worth of Fox stories just based on family, you know, and like the the way the son interacts with the mother, the way the mother interacts with the father, the way, you know, like um, it's, it's kind of like an overflowing fountain and well of like source material. Like you never run out of stories about family, you know, because, you know, by and large, we all have a form of family, whether it be, by birth, by blood, or by choice with your friends, you know? So yeah. it's it's a very, it, it'll never run dry. You know, you know what's funny of, about that? that? Kind of, it's like uh, dynamic. It's an evergreen topic, right? But what's funny is like, if, if I was a kid right. or, or like, I would be like, initially I'd be like, it's about family. I don't want to read a comic book about family. <laughs> you know, like, that's the point, right? Like, but like the Avengers is a family, you know, the, the characters I created in the Red Hook are these misfits that kind of become a family, right? Well, the, and the I, Wizard I just, of Oz. What? Oh, I was going to say, um, jumping on what you're saying about accessibility, I feel like, yeah, a kid might not be like, I want to read a book about family. I want to see superpowers. But by the end of it, they're like, oh, I know a guy like the Human Torch. He's crazy. That, um, that's and, right. And I think, like, that's the real core of comics and, like, accessibility. When I was a kid, you know, we – I would go to like the gas station and they mm-hmm. had a spinner rack there. And like, I had no other access to stories like this. And I was like, this is a gold mine. And obviously it's different now. And there's almost too much access to it. But I think comics still has that unique thing of giving you sort of the, the in you, the sexy in the dazzle, razzle dazzle in, and then the real in, which is the family you're talking about. Well, really, I mean, like what's great about right. superhero comics is that it's 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 all genres put together. It's romance, it's crime, it's science fiction. It, it's it's how you use it, right? And then the way you relate to it is through human connection, you know. Yeah. And that kid that you knew that reminded you of Human right. Torch. I mean, he went to jail for burning your friends, right? And that's what we learn. You can't burn your friends, right? Mm-hmm. So allegedly, that's why we have Allegedly. comics. That's Allegedly. why we have comics. We have comics. You get to burn your friends through a fantasy. Not the yeah. reality that we... By the way, this is a little bit of a side note, but I was watching Pete's face while you were talking, doing that little monologue there, Justin, and he was completely stone-faced up until you mentioned spinner racks, and then he was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying spinner rack Very works fun. now. Very fun. Oh, uh, you, I do want to ask you, you guys mentioned a couple of other projects that you're working on. Vito, you have Stray, which I believe is coming back. Uh, what yeah. can you tease about that? Yeah. Uh, what can I tease about it? It's going to be a seven-issue story that we're doing exclusively on Kickstarter. Um, when we do put out the collection, Action Lab will put out the collection with a secret eighth issue. So we, what I wanted to do is I wanted to nice. kind of make it special for the people that have backed the book and who have supported the book, but also I wanted to give retailers a reason to care about the book. Um, I've always found that weird about Kickstarter that we were always expecting people to kind of double dip, like buy, uh, buy it, back it on Kickstarter, but then also buy it at the uh, comic book store level. So if I'm going to, you know, 
ask you to buy a book more than once, I really want you to get something uh, like more bang for your buck. So um, this series is called, I, you know, I I don't know why we didn't do this earlier, but like, it just, it just made sense, you know? Um, But what this series uh, kind of involves is basically it's called Requiem and it's, uh, you know, a mass for the dead is what, uh, what a Requiem is. And, Stray is going to have to go through his own born again type storyline where he gets everything taken away from him and what's left. Like in the first um, mini, we explored what does this hero want to be? Does he want to be the same type of hero he was? Does he want to be his, you know, a replacement for his father or does he want to be something different? In the second one, we just looked at his history a little bit uh, in the Rottweiler years just to see how he became who he be, who he is now and what those choices did to inform the hero that he is today. So as a result, now we're taking everything that you saw in the first two volumes and throwing everything at him and saying, okay, well, you've made your choice. You've made your bed. Now you're going to have to lie in it and you might not like where you end up. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Vito knows this, but I'm going to be writing the next stray story. And it's called Give a Dog a Bone. Oh, Ooh, wow. That's huge. Huge announcement right it's here adult. on the show. It's an adult, it's it's an adult version. We're going to like expand <laughs> to the back of the comic book store. That's really well, high on the spinner rack. you got to really reach. <laughs> yeah, 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 way up there. Very high. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now I will say you uh, snuck us a copy of this book, and it is harrowing. Like it yeah. is really rough to read. Like it's good, but it's really tough to read. So I, I don't. Oh, think that you're last, underselling last page it. will yeah. kill you. Well, oh, and man. you do such a great job. Oh, well, you know, that's doing glossy superhero storytelling, and then you have like an emotional, hard emotional fit yeah. at the end that gets you. Yeah, it's you know, it, and it goes back. what we were talking about with the fox and everything and it's it's like dean was saying human connection is just about everything like in storytelling um i tend to look at superheroes as american mythology and myths were created to explain thunder and to explain why the sun rose in one side of the world and went in the other side so we can use superheroes to tell stories about loss and about dealing with uh you know spider-man is a very good example about a guy trying to make you know like we don't as kids when when we read spider-man we didn't see that we just you know went straight for well he's putting the vulture in the face like why is this old man flying in the you know whatever you know like but he had to hustle and he had to make money and he had to take care of his aunt and those are the things that as we got older we really latched onto. um with stray I, i you know i've always wanted stray to reflect uh the world around me like in 2022 and i always wanted stray to be somewhat autobiographical but then be a little fantastic you know like to be something bigger than just my life you know like because once you do that you get people to relate you know the the character to their lives so you know it, it it has to be it has to be personal at some point but it also has to be 
relatable. And and I don't think uh, with all the stray stuff that I've written thus far, I don't think anything's been as personal as this uh, since the first one. So uh, I'm very happy with um, Marcello's artwork, with uh, all that we have. It's an incredible creator like now because we have so many avenues kickstarter indiegogo uh comicsology you know we have all these different avenues and we do get a chance to tell these stories kind of unrestricted uh or we put our own restrictions on them uh if necessary but uh, what a great time to be alive man yeah and <laughs> sorry we're gonna end it all in two weeks though i know so, wow yeah. really intense um uh, speaking of relatability and mythology um uh i want to ask dean like how you um explain the myth of why i end up at sunny's in red hook every like once a month drinking <laughs> is that is there any sort of relationship well, this is this can... is some niche content right here but... well i mean not to get too deep this into is it, but inside like, baseball I... It is. I've bumped into We've known you guys for years. I've bumped into Dean at Brooklyn Social on Smith Street, like truly probably 10 years ago at this point, and had like a long talk. There are other comic people there. I can't remember who, but um remember talking to you. And Vito, I feel like you, you used to work at Jim Hanley's Universe, like truly so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing you for there talking comics 11 years. I, we, I yeah. got a web series, like truly. 50 almost 15 years ago now in Hanley's and I That's think right. we were there the night we were shooting um so like there's a there yeah. is re- huge relatability mythology here but Red and Hope Justin I don't know if you know this but uh, you me and Pete have been doing a podcast for a while too <laughs> that doesn't ring a bell if it's not in a comic I have a hard time understanding all right no, never and to be fair, we've been trapped in a podcast underneath the Hudson River for, for 18 years but if I was to cast uh Sam Brogia who plays the Red Hook Justin, you're. Do you act? You act, right? You've done. No, something. classically trained. Classically trained. He. I can see it, man. I can see it. No. All right. I'm get here. on that. Right get on that. I like it. I like it. Oh my god. Uh, well, let's talk about the Red Hook since you brought that up. So that is running on the Webtoon platform, which. Right. To be honest, is something we should cover here more here on the show and yes. don't because it's so huge. It's enormous. Yeah. I think like the people who spend a lot of time talking about, oh, I have issues with comics with they're always talking about DC and Marvel and they don't realize <laughs> Webtoon eclipses all of that exponentially. Um, what is it like yeah. though working for that platform, creating things for that platform? Because it is such a different experience. It is a different experience, and and I, I used to think it wasn't a different audience, but it absolutely is a different audience. You mm-hmm. know, like in fact, I don't think superheroes do as well on these platforms. To, uh, they they do better in print and in graphic novels and in cinema, frankly. Um, I think that uh, the the metric is that there's more fans for like romance soap opera stuff, you know, manga style, a little bit more more like that, you know. And I'm kind of like the old man that showed up and was doing my like 1960s superhero pastiche right um <laughs> but in a modern in modern terms uh yeah there's alcohol here right there's drinking happening here for it oh look there's there's a version of there's Justin. Me. There's uh, <laughs> but um the format is interesting because you know uh the creepiest thing i can say to people is when they ask me what i do i said uh i'm in your pocket right now you can read my comics for free because everyone has a phone right yeah. So we're creating these right things now. for to, to be scrolled through 
And don't forget, I was a, a creator and co-founder of Activate, which was a web a free web oh, yeah. collective that started on LiveJournal, the blogging platform, in 2006. So um, I was kind of a, a ahead of the curve a little bit, you know, knowing that uh, people were going to be more online as we are um, and, and trying to figure out the best way to present online, you know, and deliver these comics. And I started off doing it free. And frankly, this is free too, except I uh, got a deal where I get paid to own something uh, that you can read for free, you know? Um, the problem I, I've discovered, though, if, if I can be frank a little bit, is that when it's free and it's online, you're competing not with people's money, but with their time, yeah. you know? We're yeah. on social media all day long. You read some news things, then maybe you're you're watching your TV now on your laptop these days. Like, you'll get to the comics later, you know. And yes, there are some comics that blow up and have like five million readers a week. You know, that's not me. You know, a lot of my readers are still hopefully looking for me at the comic shop. And luckily, you know, I have Webtoon, but then I've had also Image Comics uh, publish the first two volumes in print. You know. Yeah. Uh, but then I took a little uh, step back because I realized I want to maybe collect all this into an omnibus uh, at some point soon. But I did have to think about how when, whenever I drew a page of Red Hook Comics, I was kind of in my head laying it out twice. I was laying it out for the virtues of the vertical scroll comic, you know, on your phone at Webtoon. But then also, how would it look in print eventually? Because I still love exploiting the real estate of the blank page that we're all so used to, you know? And how would I make that work? And 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 so it's like almost like every time I drew a page, I was I was tr thinking of it two different ways. And trust me, there is a huge difference in pacing and the way the story is delivered between what we're looking at right now as a vertical scroll versus uh the print edition. Um and eventually we'll, we'll you know, I listen, my heart is in print. Although I made a lot of hay doing web comics, you know, since 2006. Yeah. I mean, you, you brought up the pacing. That's the big thing for me. And to be perfectly honest, I'd say like, maybe this is me being old, but it's definitely me being old. old. Just yeah. went, yeah. thank you, Pete. Uh, you're the young one on the podcast. The <laughs> trying to read webtoon is difficult for me because it's really a retraining of the brain, particularly not to get too floofy about it, but in terms of like Scott McCloud talking about the blank space, the white space, like how you skip the time between the panels. The, the yeah, exactly. Right. Like yeah. it's hard for me to pace it out the same way when I'm reading something on the vertical page, or even like we were talking about earlier with comiXology, I mean, it, do you, it seems like same you have the same, yeah. Well, same thing happened to me with reading. Remember when uh, like Akira came out and, and I think it was like, was that the late eighties, early nineties, but it came out and it was paced like left to right hand page comic. Right. Then later on you find out, Oh no, all Japanese comics are done the opposite way. Right. Mm -hmm. And then recently, the last decade or two, maybe two decades, I'm showing my age, most manga that is, is published back to front. And I don't know how to read that way. Yeah. <laughs> I have a tough time. Well, that. yeah, that's I was going to say, like, it's funny how many different formats there are that we have to kind of retrain ourselves to read a certain way. Um, 
speaking of comatology, I remember the first time I accidentally got onto guided view and it was so jarring because comics are not just about the panel. It's about the page. So whenever you read it, you absorb the whole thing, but you're also going step by step by step. So with webtoons, you know, because you're scrolling, uh, I can't remember. There was another one that was scrolling too, not tapas, but another one, but it, it just, it's so anti, you know, everything that we've learned uh, from day one, you know, like, and I mean, maybe it's because, you know, we're products of the American school system and we do read left to right. Um, but, you know, like, like everything else, like if you're, if you're down to try, you're, you're down to learn. You know, it, it, it never, I've never had any problem when we, when I did uh, Purple Heart with Ricardo Venancio on uh, Webtoon, we almost ignored all those conventions and just did, you know, did it for the print. And what we would get as a, as the only criticism really was this one's too short. This chapter is too short. This one, you know, because the chapter, if I had a six panel page, that's only six, you know, like panels going up. Bing, 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 like Whereas, that, yeah. you know, like there, all the other ones are, you know, much longer, much broader. Uh, they're made for the format, less so for print. So, you know, the more successful ones, uh, Lore Olympus, uh, which, you know, book that thick. You can imagine how many uh, panels are in each chapter because, like, as it prints, it's literally a phone book. So, you know, like, it's such a learning curve as a creator that I don't know that uh, – I know because I didn't get a second season, I didn't ever get a chance to explore what that would be. But, you know, at the same time, I love that we didn't get a second season because everybody's still reading it and freaking out over the uh, the cliffhanger ending. <laughs> but, and, and, yeah, and they're not happy. We, get, we hope to do more Purple Heart. We've talked about that. But the I would thing love that to. I learned All the time. that was a little jarring as well was like, I could draw an inset panel, just like a close-up of an eye. Or I could draw a splash page with all this stuff happening, and it looks the same on your phone. Mm. It's yeah, the same right. real estate on your phone. So you have yeah. to start thinking like, geez, Louise, what am I doing here, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think it shows it, in your in your Red Oak, the, the one we saw, that like the, there's an inherent pacing to it that I think it, is the sort of adaptability you have to find where it's like you could be – like comics, I think we all like, – we're talking about the different ways we read them. We're trained to read them the same way, American comics. But I also think we all go back and reread or look at panels differently. We all have our unique mm -hmm. way of going through. Right. Um, and the phone makes it like, nope, you're all going to go this way. And you can go yeah. up a little bit and down, but you it's mm -hmm. only – it's direction – it's – uh, right, it's all direction. about direction. So, like in a in your print comic, your traditional print comic, the reveal is you turn the page and then it's on the left side. Usually, that's what you try to paste. So you get two pages yeah. and then maybe a reveal, or you're asking a question or or a little mini cliffhanger per page to get to the next page. Right, in webtoon or in the vertical scroll comic, um, it's at the bottom. It's at the bottom. Yeah, you're pulling yeah, up. It's always pulling up. You know, and you, and it's down at the bottom. And that, that's pretty crazy. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's an interesting challenge. And like I said, I tried to do my best. And the, the dirty little secret is, and this is what I did at Activate with Billy Dogma back in the day, was I just, I, my restriction was squares. I just kept everything a square. It was a close-up of Vista. It was inside a box. 
And that's what I did, you know, and that was the click view, you know, kind of thing. And I'll say this, Justin or, or Alex, I don't know if you guys write plays or not. I, I've written a bunch of plays and screenplays and stuff, but I feel like the Webtoon format is great for play, right. for play, you know, for dialogue, right. for lots of talking, yeah. you know. So. Right. It, it moves that no, aggressive. I mean, you're talking about uh, like writing a screenplay or even reading a screenplay. It's there's a visual component to it because it's like dialogue, action, dialogue. You are doing you're spacing it out almost like a comic and like you're, it's right. all vertical. It's all like the flow of that. So it is. And it's graduating. You graduate down. Right. And what's interesting yeah. about um, web, uh, the vertical scroll versus print is that I was lettering inside the panels. But in the vertical scroll, you can do outside the panel and have a long tail because, again, you're kind of controlling a pace. So you're not yeah. whipping by, you know. Hmm. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, the the uh, audience for Webtoons actually enjoys reading. Um, and that's sometimes not so conducive to what comics are because comics are both. You know, they're both the visual and they're, they're the literature a part of it. Uh, Jim Handley's universe where art and literature meet. That's, you know, <laughs> kind of what uh, their slogan was for years. And it's true. You know, that's what comics are. They're art and literature. And I find that the Webtoon audience is probably more, and maybe it's because it's an international audience that are trying to find, going back to everything else we said, universal themes. They're going to kind of gravitate more towards reading than in looking at something and maybe like Justin, like you were saying, going back to it to look at the visuals uh, later. Yeah. Right. Uh, hey, Dean, I wanted to ask you, just because you brought it up, uh, you are bringing <laughs> Billy Dogma back for the Image Comics 30th anniversary yes. anthology cool. collection. Uh, what has it been like revisiting this? Uh, it, it's funny because like, I forgot how to draw him and Jay legit. <laughs> so I, was, I was like, wait, I haven't drawn this like kind of like you know, bastardized version of Popeye and or whatever the hell I've been I created, you know, in nineteen ninety-five. Um and he's kind of slimmed down. Like I don't know. I'm I turned fifty five at the end of May and I'm and I, I've only gotten heavier. Right. But <laughs> but <laughs> something about keeping your hero a certain age, even though you want him to get a little older with you and a little more grizzled. But I don't know. I was I was taking more care of him. You know, maybe I take care of Billy Dogman he, he can take care of me. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that's like but your love. Your, that's like your, your version of Love and Rockets. I was gonna say he's your Dorian Gray, really. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. It's a drawing in, a, in yeah. an ice bucket. He's your uh, Luba. That's right, <laughs> my Luba. Um, but yeah, it was really. I had written the story that um, I'm I drew for Image. I wrote that about almost a decade ago, oh, and wow. I just hadn't had the time to figure out how to how to draw it or when to draw it. And when I spoke to Eric Stevenson, I was like. Hey, I, I'd love to be a part of the the uh, anthology, the anniversary, 30th anniversary of the Image Comics, but I don't have like 12 one-page stories. I have a 12-page story, right? Which is why if you pick up the first issue, it, it, nothing's really happening yet, you know, with Billy Dogma. And then little by small, it's going to be another little, you know, dip into this thing. Altogether, it'll make more sense, obviously. Well, you're but the closer of the book. You're the... Huh? And you're I'm the, the closer. closer. That's right. That's right. That's exciting. So... And I, I think that's a good thing. Um, that's good. Yeah. You get coffee. Yeah, yeah. Coffee's for closers. That's right, baby. Um, <laughs> and so it, it may feel a little unsatisfying per issue, but trust me, collected together, I feel is like kind of a classic Dean Haspiel 
weird romance story, you know, that has a lot of heart. So, well, and I will say you, you let us get a look at the full, um, Oh, that's right. I sent it together. And I'll tell you what, I was like, even though, uh, it's, it's a, it's a story, it's an action story. There's a lot going on. I was like, I feel this romance sort of deep in my bones a little bit in a weird way. Like, I don't know if it, I'm like, it hit something in me where I'm like, I feel like I've been in this relationship. Oddly. And, uh, I, again, the human connection. Just thank, yeah. thank you, thank you for that. Thanks for reacting that way because it's also a little weird. The the story yes. is funky, 100%. you know. Yeah, as I do, right? But yeah. I think I found some stuff that, like, I don't even necessarily totally explain, but it's what you bring yeah. to it because what I try to add to comics is what prose does really well. And when you're reading prose, you can't help but be the co-author because you're filling in the room the couch, the, what is space, I don't care how well it's explained, you're imagining a lot, so you're the co-author. Same thing I was trying to do with this story and, and trying to do in my future comics, is I'll hand you some stuff, but the but I want you, the takeaway to be yours, you know, what you add to it. Nice. So I feel like I, I, I left some some stuff out so that you you could, and then, and then it makes it more your story, you know, and there's more ownership in that way, right? Yeah, it so, works, it hit me. Our story. It's our story. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Speaking of our story, the Fox Family Values comes out this month, right? Is there a date for it, or is it still? Is it the? Uh, I believe uh, it's May eighteenth. May eighteenth. Yeah, the okay. Wednesday. Right. In, in it's Wednesday. it's two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. All right. So not next week, but the week 18th. after. Yep, yep. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to check it out. Very exciting. Uh, congratulations, guys. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. That's on. great, Daniel. You Love you guys. Always great to see you. Dean, I'll Thank see you at Sunny's. Just let me know which days you're there. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, big pandemic I, spot for me, so um, shouts to I that. I feel you. I'll see you there. All right, guys. Yeah. Thanks All right. So Thank you, guys. Take care. Good night. All right. Oop. There we go. Okay, once again, that was Dino Desante and Dean Hashbill, and the book is The Fox Family Values. The other things that we mentioned are Stray Requiem is going to come out to Kickstarter, I believe. Also, the Red Hook PTSD is now on Webtoon. And Billy Dogma, you can check out in the Image Comics 30th Anniversary Collection. So lots of stuff going on there. And speaking of lots of stuff, let's go on to more stuff. My favorite section, because you guys let's make do it up. more stuff. More it's is more. your audience more questions. All right. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question and ask a question over here on Crowncast or in the comments on YouTube. Now, we talked about this week's drink of the week, but what are you guys drinking, Pete? What are you? Uh, you were well, coughing just, a little bit before the show. What's going on? Well, I just wanted to, uh, yeah, the, I made a couple too strong, but uh, I'm just glad we made it past that se- uh, segment because, like, the way you were eyeballing Vito's like open neck, like unbuttoned all the way down, <laughs> and the way you were just kind of like holding yours, being like, oh, exactly. God, yeah, oh my, like, my buttons. Yeah, yeah I was just yeah. glad was that like, you made it through that because clutching my buttons. You were just like it's staring trapped. it down, just like mm. look at the way biting my lip, is... biting my bottom lip. You're, you're like, in cotton prison, me. Alex. You got to yeah. open mm. up the buttons, release the beast. Mm. <laughs> I feel you, Vito. I feel you, you. Nobody wants to see this. Uh, no, we yeah, all want to keep that button. Keep that button. You want me to? No. Want to, no. Want to do it? Those buttons go all the way down, I right? I don't know I'm if these buttons the come off, off actually. Yes, the camera turn come off. off. <laughs> You've never unbuttoned them. <laughs> I've never taken off this shirt, man. You know how the buttons Look, work? He was born with that shirt on. Yeah. Keep it on. <laughs> and I'm down with like, it. It's like your front door, your car keys. 
it's but for a shirt is what buttons are. yeah oh, I, I don't get what you're talking about but i appreciate it pete what are you drinking oh i'm drinking a little uh vodka and uh vodka. let's see here uh and a little peach pear a little peach pear mix peach pear no mix <laughs> no, <laughs> no follow-up little, questions little you, peach juice in there, a little you drink like a hobo from a community theater production that's just the way you're always just like i'm drinking vodka in a tin can what are we thinking about <laughs> mm, got some fresh peaches in here well i'm the hobo who lives in the park don't <laughs> bump into me when it's after dark Oh man, that's a great song. Justin, it looks like you've switched over to something else. What are you I drinking? I went from a um, Manhattan um, to uh, let's keep it on trend. A little Deschutes. I'm running low. Oh man, Fresh you love the Deschutes. I Fresh. save it special yeah. for the show. Nice. All right, why don't we get us some questions? We got one here on YouTube. This is from Stanley. What are your plans for watching Doctor Strange? Do you think the MCU has lost its focus and momentum? Coming in hot with a question here. One movie and everything is oh, man. questioned. Wow. What does this movie expect to do? $150, $200 million this weekend? Something like this? So know, there man. is that. Uh, That's barely I think, anything. I, I think the movies have not lost their momentum. They've expanded out a lot, and we'll see if they can sort of hold on to it, uh, keep the story on the track excuse me, when it's going so big. Marvel television, I think we've talked about, it feels like it's not a loss of momentum. It sort of feels like it's in a little bit of a track. And I, I'm hoping we get more of a breakout from that track. But I think the movies are, are going strong. And I think I'm going to see Doctor Strange on oh. Thursday afternoon. I'm going to see it early, uh, which never Thursday happens for old JT. Afternoon. Yeah, I think for me personally, I've... I, I don't know. I've reached like my limit is the wrong word, but it's definitely like it's a lot. It's a lot of Marvel. There's a lot of Marvel going on constantly. I'm still seeing all of it, but I am at the point now. Oh, where what it a doesn't... hero! I know. Wow. <laughs> How dare you put yourself through that? No, all I'm saying, oh. and I, I have talked to other people who feel this way as well. Is there's a point where it's like it doesn't feel like this is special, exciting present anymore. It's more like here's the Marvel thing that's happening this week. But at the same time, everybody's watching the stuff on Disney Plus. Everybody's going to see the movies. So it doesn't matter. Like, there still is that momentum there. It's just more frequent, and they know that. The question is, like, is it going to get to a point where people are actually going to be worn out and the diehards are going to be worn out? And I don't think we're there yet, you know? No. I mean, it could be worse. We could be Star Wars. <laughs> yes. That, that's Maybe, maybe lost a you. little bit of momentum, just like a scotch. Just a tiny Maybe, bit. Just a touch of moment. <laughs> yes. Pete, I know you're all in. You're all in. You're like Marvel all the time. Give me more Marvel. 45 all episodes of Moon Knight tomorrow. All. Let's do this. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's an exciting time to be alive that, um, you know, in some aspects um, that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's never been a better time to be a nerd in the yes. fact that there's so much out there, there's so many shows, there's so many. I mean, if you would have told little me that, like, dude, you're getting a Moon Knight fucking live action TV show that's going to be bananas. Pete, you're what if so? What what if I find a way to to time travel and okay. I run up to you in Rochester? First off, dude, mouth, watch mouthful of back, garbage dude. plate, mouthful of garbage plate. And I run up to Pete. Pete, I'm going to stab you. I went up to Peach at age six, age six, and I, I'm like, Pete, 
You're going to get a moon night, and then I vanish. <laughs> what do you think your reaction is to that? Are you I, like, perfect, with your I'm little like, tiny six-year-old beard? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, who is that stranger, and why was he so close to a child? That seems unreasonable. What it okay? I then travel back in time right after Justin travels back in time, and I'm like, just to clarify, you're gonna get Moon Knight, but also there's a non stop pandemic, upcoming climate disaster with the end of the world, and women are having their rights taken away. See you later. Oh, what do you think man. That? it's uh, you know, classic thing about life is you get some things, and then a ton mm-hmm. of things are taken away. I gotta away be honest, you. I feel like six year old Pete would be like, Moon Knight. Oh, come on. I, I, I gotta say, Alex, if you're traveling back to deliver that message, it's a bummer. <laughs> it's a like, hey, a bummer I have one chance to time travel. I'm gonna go back to six year old Pete and let him know. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> buy KN95s. It's like, ah, sorry. Buy KN95s. Isn't there something you could have done, time traveler? Literally anything else. Uh, all right, why don't we go to some questions here on Crowdcasts from Stray Bullet. Oh, this ties into what we were just talking about. Now that the pandemic is completely gone, 100%, no doubt about it, and we're all going back to the movies and live shows, has anyone started going back to the comic shop on the regular? That was mostly digital pre-pandemic, but I've always felt a little bad about it. What do you guys think? Have you gone back to the old comic book shop? Pete, you've been frequenting 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 them You've occasionally been frequenting you wow. freak <laughs> Pete, you're a fucking freak <laughs> what are you doing you freak uh, uh i've been trying to go to different uh, comic shops uh for sure around the area uh i do miss my midtown comics man i do miss you know being there every wednesday in a giant line of people which now seems insane but um yeah, and yelling at people who weren't obeying the line on the floor. You know, those were the good old days. Uh, the craziest thing for me is, like, uh, I would go back to the comic book shop, but I don't ever go to Manhattan anymore. I used to be in Manhattan wow. every day uh, for working, audition, job, whatever I was doing, yeah. I was in Manhattan doing something. And now I'm never, ever there. So oh, um, wow. I haven't been able to really – I think I've been to Midtown, like, twice – um, recently, but um, I I will go back there because I need that. Uh, my stacks are just the old stacks. I don't have new stacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been going to the main reason that I've been going to comic book shops. I've been going to Galaxy Comics in Brooklyn when we've been talking about older stuff on the stack. I always try to go there first to try to support a local comic book store, and they're usually on my way when I'm picking up my son from school or something like that. It's just relatively convenient, but, but yeah, same sort of thing. I'm not in Manhattan anymore uh, other than occasionally one day a week. So there's no real reason to go to Midtown or anything like that, but I do love I, it. I, I thought for a second, you were just going to say that you were so busy. You just like go to a place in Brooklyn, and just like throw your money in the door and just kind of close it. Like I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a subway sandwich shop, but you know, they get the idea. Yeah. Got to support your local Subway sandwich shop. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's still mostly digital, honestly. Um, I mean, we'll see if that changes at some point soon. But I I'm getting like roasted in the comments by um, Neil <laughs> Clyde and Liwana Nana about Brooklyn not having comic, having comic book shops. And I'm like, yes, I know they have. Comic yeah. Book Aren't shops. you right by Anywhere Comics as well? Which is uh, one of the best shops in Brooklyn. Ooh, oh. Not 
directly ah! by um but it is it is it is near it. i wish i could tug the collar on the shirt but the buttons are so tight otherwise yeah, i do yeah, a no, classic you you hot collar do your fun bit yeah oh, uh this is from big, oh big, yeah do we need big, to go over to the comments first yes we need to jump to the comments because we got a big one um a straight bullet but did the cat get it uh big updated um it's pretty kitty which is the official name of your cat right yeah did she get her 6 p.m treat Oh shit! I forgot. Oh, no. ah! <laughs> oh man! Oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah, oh, yeah. You gotta go puff that fluff, man. Oh, oh yeah, puff, we want to puff that fluff. We want to do it. All right, you say. I love Oof. that we're hearing news about what's going on in Pete's <laughs> household. Live in the comments thread. Um, that Whew, that was close. That I got great. real scared. When we started the show back 15 years ago, we started it to try to get news about Pete's cat, and that's finally panning out. <laughs> well, this just is... while you're saying that, the idea that we, when we started the show, were like, let's do some fun comedy about comics. And now we're like, Pete, did you feed your cat at 6 a.m. <laughs> Matt, talk about going back in time and telling people what's up. Oh, that's man. Let's go back in time and tell the younger selves, <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, look at your future, yeah. you psychopaths. This is on YouTube. Nelson Martinez says, have you guys seen the Nelson! movie and or read the comics of the bad guys? If not, what's the last animated film you've watched? My son loves the bad guys books. Everybody else in my family went to see it. One of the rare times I was in the city at work oh. in the office, uh, and they enjoyed it. They thought it was pretty good. Um, it's definitely very different than the books, apparently. But last animated film I've watched. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this definitely is not correct, but Mitchell's versus the Machines, maybe? Yes. I don't know. That was uh, pretty good. about Turning Red? Oh, Turning Red. Yes, that was great. Oh wow! Anyone Comics is actually near me, and I've never been there. Wow! Wow! Zalvin just changed your life. Changed it's on the, the other you're side. You're gonna of love Heights. it in there, man. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I'm gonna go there. Um, I'm gonna nice. take my kids there. Um, oh, boy, you just leave them there. You can pick them up at the end <laughs> when they're just before they close. They'll take care of it. You'll come back, yeah. and they'll be in bins and bagged and boarded, and it'll be like. <laughs> I love you, my graded. kids. Professionally graded, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Near mint, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. As a parent, um, uh, yeah. Turning red is probably the most recent, but I've watched a lot of animated films, sort of on repeat. Um, Pete, but that reminds me, Pete, did you check out the um, uh, Usagi series? Oh well, that's the thing. I was very, very excited for that, and then I watched it, and it's kind of like a uh, kids show where it's very different from the comics uh it does reference the comics which i was there for and really loved but the story of a kid who really doesn't know what he's doing yet is not kind of the same story uh so i watched like the first step and i was just like oh man this isn't this really is it's a different take and i'm happy for like a maybe a wider audience or younger kids that'll kind of like Maybe look up the comic, but uh, yeah, unfortunately not made for me. Well, this is too bad. This is awkward. I, we thought we were, you were going to be more excited about it. We actually have, and this is a big surprise, we have Stan Sakai, the creator of Yusaku Yojimbo here. Don't you do that. And I guess he's going to come in to tell you how disappointed he is in you. Okay, yeah, here we yeah. go. Here's Stan Sakai. 
Hello. Well, let's just have him do trivia. Let's have him do trivia instead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go off the trivia. Don't worry about it. All right, we got one more question here. This is from Kevin. Do you have a favorite comic character who only ever appeared in a single arc, six issues or fewer, and who would play them in a movie? That's fuck Kevin. That's a deep cut, bro. Fewer. How do you even? A. Oof. How do we think of it? B. How, how do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll throw one out at you. This is I've mentioned this before on the show, but this is a comic book that just really stuck with me. There was this Spider-Man issue where he met a kid who was being abused by his dad, and the kid I think got hit with some ray or something like that, but he got disintegration mm-hmm. powers in his hands. And I can still right now picture in my head what happens when his father goes to hit him. He puts up his hand and his father hits his hand and it disintegrates his dad as he's going through his hand. And it was so raw and traumatizing when I read it that the kid goes on the run. Spider-Man needs to help him talk about him. I feel like it was this one shot to talk about child abuse was what it was. And like that affected me so much as a kid. Um, yeah. I don't know that I necessarily would want to see that live action, but uh, that's definitely a character that, like, one issue. I think he came back. Somebody brought him back for another, like, one shot or two shot or something 15 or 20 years later. Um, but uh, that character stuck with me. I don't know who would play him necessarily, but uh, it was good stuff. Yeah, all the characters that, like, I was like, oh, my God, these are cool, eventually got their own deals and started to be more and more into stuff, so... Unfortunately, I don't have that deep cut kind of like all oh, this one thing that no one's discovered yet. Um, I'm going to throw out um, the uh, the mist from the uh, first Starman arc. The, there's um, there's the old the mist, the sort of the Starman original Starman's villain. His son takes over at the same time that um, David Knight takes over as Starman. And those two characters, David Knight appeared later in the series, but those two characters were only alive in that time, in the first six issues, and seeing them um, uh, sort of in another another way would be cool. Yeah. All right, good answers. And that is it for your audience questions. (laughs) And now it is time for trivia. And for that, we're going to turn over to Pete LePage. All right. This is the time where we normally give back uh, to the lovely audience, but Zelbs. Yeah. Wait, I, before, we move, before we move into this real quick, I just had a thought while we were playing this. It's like, now we're a turn to Pete LePage, and then the music gets, like, dangerous. It's like yeah. the music gets, like, a, an alarm is going off as if the show's saying, don't turn it over to Pete LePage. Um, and this is the first time I really heard the music <laughs> telling us. Um, yeah, happening. whatever you do, don't turn it over to people the page. So normally we give away a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Instead, bringing in an audience member this week, we're going to have me and Justin are going to compete for trivia. I have a good feeling about us winning. Uh, and instead of doing a Midtown Comics gift card, we're actually going to donate to abortion funds. There is a link that I'm going to read now. It's secure.actblue.com slash donate slash fund abortion now. And what it does is it takes your donation and splits it between 80 plus different local places that uh, do that are abortion funds that are helping people out versus like a big organization like Planned Parenthood or something like that, which 
obviously are great, but the local places are the ones that really need your help right now. It's a great spot to donate if you're feeling frustrated in this news moment uh, because it uh, sort of does a lot of things. Yes. So uh, we're actually going to double our donation as well. Normally we do $25. I'm going to double it. We're going to do $50 to the abortion fund. Let's see if Pete wins and we don't donate. See what happens. I don't know. Are we competing with each other, Alex? That's right. That's right. I have a good feeling about this, but we'll see what happens. There's no Take it away. Take it away, Pete. All right, here we go. Uh, Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Neil Adams, R.I.P. All right, here we go. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go, Alex and Justin. Question number one. Green Lantern is said uh-huh. to be leveling up with the blank. Is it power ring, green That's ring, uh, the ring up. he has? He has shut a up. ring. I'm gonna it's a ring. I think. I think it's the ring. I'm gonna, I'm gonna name. <laughs> oh, it's, it's multiple then, choice. Yeah, Jesus. Oh, oh Eliza Dushku. Oh, uh, oh, good. Ruined the whole thing. Okay, is it A. The Godstorm, B. Angel Rain, or is it C. Larry Hama? So leveling up with is it A the God Storm, B Angel Rain, or C Larry Hama? I'm gonna I'm gonna say God Storm. Do you think God Storm, Justin? Uh, uh, the cold angel rain. That was the original November rain. <laughs> yeah, right? like the uh, angel rain. Ooh, beautiful. Thank you. Don't angel rain. Don't, that was. A don't voice. encourage them. I'm gonna go with God Storm. You are correct. Yes. All right. I noticed no clues happening. Yeah, no clues. But you see what I did there? God Storm, Angel Rain. Okay, anyway, here we go. Yeah, we know. Question number two. What character is back and getting a giant size X-Men special? Giant man. Giant size. Big man. Tall guy. Big old hands. Is it big old hands? (laughs) Eliza Dushku. Stop. I'm going to give you the options and then you select. We don't know how this works. This is our first time doing this. Okay. So it's either A, Pike, B, Thunderbird, or C, J. Scott Pike. (laughs) Pike? Why is Pike in there twice? I'm gonna, since, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's, it's a non-Pike answer. Yeah, You're gonna go Thunderbird with is yep. Thunderbird. Thunderbird, Thunderbird is correct. All wow. right, two Pikes sneak into this. Yeah. All right, here we go. Last one. What new Batman title is dropping May 24th? Is Batman, it? Batman, no, Batman, no, Batman no, Detective no, Batman. You please the Batman's stop. on the sky. No, no, would you please stop? That, a story you know, about going, the Batman where we find out how it's plugged in. Got, it's a oh, Eliza Douche Comics. Oh my God. Ooh, I love that. I don't Thank like you. this bit, and I can't wait for it to be over. Okay, here we go. Is it oh, A, oh. Batman Fortress, B, Batman Faso, or C, Franco Beso? So it's either Batman Faso? <laughs> Face O? Like O face? Face dash O, yeah. I'm going to go with the first one. I'm going to go with Neil's answer from the comments. Batman queso. (laughs) Batman has a night at home, and Alfred and he make a sweet cheese dip. May 24th, (laughs) check out Batman Fortress. Wow. Incredible. 
well, great news. I think we won, so we are going to donate to this abortion fund. Again, it's secure.actblue.com slash donate slash fund abortion now. Uh, and like Justin said, it's a good way to, it's not going to solve everything, but at least it's going to help some local abortion funds. Yeah. If you're feeling um, at a loss for what to do, as I was doom scrolling through Twitter over and over again and occasionally crying at stuff, um, this is a way to feel like you've um, actually accomplished something. Just the way I felt after I pitched that Batman bat signal story where we finally get the story of the light bulbs. Oh, man. Where Where does Commissioner Gordon get those enormous light bulbs, you know? Oh. And was, like the electric started. bills high? Are they having? Are they offsetting their in case, carbon? In like case you guys were wondering about the third answers to the question. Uh, it's the uh, 1988 comedy "Death to the Pee Wee Squad." And who is this a tribute to? Neil Adams. Neil Adams. Neil Adams. Okay. That's why there was a lot of Batman stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Great. Shouts. Good stuff. As we all know, as we all know, comic books come out all the time. A bunch of them are coming out this week. Pete, what are you looking forward to? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to Giant Size X-Men Thunderbird number one. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't been uh, enjoying X-Men, but this one I enjoyed very much. As well as uh, Flashpoint number one. Uh, Flashpoint really? Beyond Pete. number yeah, one. Interesting. That's right. I, I'm surprised to hear you say that, Pete. That's right. Um, that's right. You can't, um, you can't put I mean, me in a box, dude. I like different things. Yeah, I would never keep you in a box. I would put you in a box, but I don't think you'd stay. That's right. Um, I'm going to give it up for, I mean, a couple things. Um, uh, Batman Killing Time number three uh, by Tom mm. King is wow. super As soon as fun. you said that, Stray Bullet typed that in, and it was kind of creepy. Uh, I Big reveal, I'm Stray Bullet. What? Uh, pretty crazy, right? And I want to also throw it out to Frontiersman Lockup Special Number One. Whoa! Uh, Booker Image Comics. We had, um, uh, I think, Patrick Kindlin, the writer on our mm-hmm. show, a while back. Um, and this is—I feel like this is a great thing going on in Image right now—is um, some titles that are really not just doing a, a one-off story; they're doing like a full universe of things that are happening. But it really gets into real issues that they want to talk about in this. Um, Frontiersman is about a, an, a sort of a hero who um, uh, got old. The whole all the Justice League type heroes got older. And um, in a recent issue, he killed the villain that was attacking him. And this is about sort of the repercussions of that. And then it gets into a whole additional superhero sort of sci-fi story that happens as a result and the justice issues surrounding that. It was a great read. I did not, um, uh, I didn't know I was going to enjoy it until after I read it. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Twig number one from Image Comics. This is oh, a new yeah, by dude. Scotty Young. And Come Scotty on. Young has been creating great some call. really interesting, on, very man. weird, fascinating stuff. Yeah. So excited to check that out. However it is, I guess we'll see. And all of these titles are going to be in the Stack Podcast. What? What are the odds? I know that comes out every Wednesday at 9 a.m., both in the Comic Book Club feed and its own dedicated Stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. I want to thank all of our amazing guests for being on the show. Thank you to Neil Clyde and Andrea Moody. Check out The Panic from Comixology Originals that is up now. Also, Vito Del Sante and Dean Hashbiel for The Fox Family Values. Also from Vito, check out Stray from Dean Hashbiel. Check out The Red Hook, PTSD, and Good. Billy Dogma in the Image Comics 30th Anniversary Anthology that is going on right now. 
Great guests on the show. Great books from all of them. Please check out all of those ones we talked about. Absolutely. Next week on the show, Ibrahim Mustafa is going to be here to talk about his new book, Retroactive. Also, Serena Sanchez is going to be here to talk about Black Rhapsody. A couple of other podcasts to plug from us. The Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast is live. Doom Room! New episodes every single week. And also, if you want all 34 episodes, you can get them right now on our Patreon. Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast is weekly after that show airs on Sundays. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast to be talking about the Moon Knight finale tomorrow as well as many other things coming up. We'll be back very soon with that. Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club to support this show and all the shows we do. Apple Podcasts, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. Subscribe, listen, and follow at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night, folks. Take care of yourself. Feed your cats in their special treats when they need them. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.